Welcome to Season 6 of the Art of Teaching podcast. I'm Matthew Green and I'm so glad that you joined me today. Before we get started with this week's interview, I wanted to say a quick thank you to all those that have subscribed, listened to and shared the episodes. If you get a chance, please take a few minutes to leave a review and comment on iTunes. It will help get the episodes to as many teachers as possible. Today, I have a very special episode to share with you. Kashia Thorpe is the winner of the 2022 Global Teacher Prize. She fled poverty and violence as a child from Jamaica and encountered racism as a black immigrant in the US, where she had come on a track and field scholarship. Her commitment to mentoring students who were all immigrants themselves and helping them find paths to higher education saw her named National Life Group's Life Changer of the Year Grand Prize winner for the 2018 to 2019 school year. She has dedicated herself to mentoring college applicants and student athletes, as well as expanding access to subsidized testing, financial aid, and full scholarships. We talked about how she overcame unthinkable obstacles and became the most recognized teacher in the world, the importance of representation and why it matters so much, and the power of determination and vision and how to instill this into young people. Kishia was a wonderful guest and it was an incredible privilege to speak to her. Kishia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Where are you phoning in from? Um, Maryland, USA. How's Maryland this time of year? Uh, it's pretty it's pretty warm this time of year, but today has been pretty good because uh, it rained a little yesterday, so cooled the temperature down a little bit. So we're probably around in the 70s. Fantastic. And I think that is probably about uh, late 20s, early 30s centigrade. I'll have to do my math on that. I'm not too sure what that is, <laughs> but it sounds wonderful. But quite possibly the most um, important question for the interview, what's your coffee order? My coffee order? Um, I'm not a big coffee drinker, okay. but when I do go to Starbucks, I'll get the caramel, the caramel ribbon crunch frappuccino. Yeah. Fantastic. That sounds, it sounds very um, uh, indulgent. I'll have to try it. We just had a Starbucks quite, quite close to us. So I'll, um, I'll let you know. Um, what's an item just out of interest that is still on your bucket list? I mean, you've achieved so much uh, in your career, but is there, is there, is there anything else that you are um, still wanting to achieve in your life? In my bucket list? Um, one of the things I re- would really want to do is travel to Africa. That's on my bucket list. And also, um, you know, hopefully in the near future, my have my own school. So those are two things on my bucket list. Fantastic. Why is um, Africa such an important destination for you? Um, it's, it's because it's a part of my cultural heritage. I've never been there. I know I've studied Marcus Garvey and the Back to Africa movement. Yeah. I'm very interested in it, very interested in the motherland. Um, also, my I have a nonprofit organization that helps students from Africa as well. And I'm really um, interested in seeing the conditions that they live in. You know, um, a lot of different things have been shown on television and you wonder what is true and what is not. 
Um, and yeah. you know, I've I've seen both both worlds play out on, on television. Then the nature, the the beauty, and then Fantastic. also the degradation and the poverty. So just to go and see for myself, you know, and wow. just to get get in touch with um, that that side of me. I Fantastic. did my um, my background, and I think I'm part Cameroonian. <laughs> so so yeah, that would be interesting. Fantastic! It's such a wonderful and a, a diverse continent. It's it's um it would be um lovely to spend some time over there and just to uh get to know some of the incredible people and so um yeah it sounds like a wonderful trip um just out of interest uh Kashia, what um if you could have a dinner party with anybody who would be there a dinner party um obviously your family and friends are included yeah, in yeah, Yes, I'm from Jamaica and, um, you know, we are a, we were a British colony. Yeah. And so a lot of their influence, um, I grew up around a lot of British influence. And so, yeah, I would love to have tea with <laughs> our dinner with Queen Elizabeth. I love, um, I'm a great fan of Celine Dion, um, how poetic her music is. Um, Elton John is a big fan too. I know that's kind of like a weird combination. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, um, all of them. Um, I admire for different reasons. Fantastic. I mean, that sounds like an incredible dinner party, Elton John. And, yeah, Celine Dion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm also, I was born in the UK. And so um, I, I'm such a fan of um, uh, Queen Elizabeth. I think that she's just an amazing woman when you yes. consider how many presidents and prime ministers she has um lived through her reign um she would be um, it would be amazing i think to sit down and just have a cup of tea with yes. elizabeth it'd be really wonderful um i'm just wondering um acacia is there something uh, is there a book that you have read recently that has caused you to reconsider things in your life um yes uh bedina love um we can do more than just survive i read it over covid when um that big racial storm hit the US with the George Floyd uh, scenario. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I read that book and learned so much about intersectionality, learned so much about myself. Um, and as a, you know, as an immigrant in the US, just learning so much more about who you are, um, yeah. you know, how to take your place in society, how to advocate for yourself, how to empower those around you, how yeah. to empower yourself, how to love yourself. You know, yeah. just there's just so much about the African-American culture that, I, that I've discovered from wow. just reading the book that is so um, personally empowering. Wow, that, that's really beautiful. And it's so lovely that you are someone who continually learns about your culture and continually discovers um, the, the, the richness and diversity of your back. I think that's really wonderful. Um, Keisha, just on that, um, what was your upbringing like and what was it like growing up in Jamaica and moving to the US? Well, I, um, I grew up in Jamaica yeah. um, and I grew up with many different challenges. I grew up with my grandmother and my twin sister and, um, you know, there were so many challenges because we are, uh, you know, financially, we, yeah. I grew up in poverty yeah. and, you know, in Jamaica, the, the part, the thing about Jamaica is that school costs, right? There's no free school in Jamaica. So everybody has to pay for education. And so um, because of that, you know, 
you there's a lot of different struggles. And for me, I'm my, my sister. Growing up with my grandmother, we had many financial um, challenges. And my grandmother, who cared for my sister and I, really wanted the best for us. And so by the time I got to high school, I really advocated for myself to go to a school outside of my boundary school wow. because of the poverty and violence that was in my community. And so the principal at the time at that school was so impressed with uh, the advocacy of my sister and I to really want to escape that and want more for ourselves um, that, you know, she allowed us to attend the school at a reduced cost. And wow. it was, yeah, it was, a, that school was a top school. So, you know, naturally you're drawn to that and, um, and naturally as well, just being able to attend that school has opened many doors of opportunities for my sister and I. We were able to go to different sporting events. We're able to do track and field, which really I, I, I always tell people for me was a vehicle out, um, out of poverty because wow. I was able to get a track and field scholarship out of it. You know, I met a wonderful coach while I was in high school that was a pivotal point for me in my life that helped me discover my talents in track and field. Um, and he eventually uh, ended up becoming like a father to myself wow. and my sister who did not have a father growing up. Mm -hmm. um, and he helped us to scout, um, scout out scholarships for wow. college as well. So wow. yeah, Look, that, it, was, it was tough. It was really tough, but you know, we got by. Wow, that, that's so wonderful. And what a great story of overcoming some incredible odds. And, and do you think that has... Um, that sort of transformative power of education has shaped um, the way that you teach your students? I mean, do how has that changed you as an educator? Yeah, you know, living, living there, um, living here in the US, for me, I, I, I really don't take much for granted. I don't take anything for granted because, you know, I really believe that the American dream, you can, anyone can achieve the American dream if you're willing to work hard for it. And of course, there are many barriers that immigrants have to overcome, but I realize that the more ambitious and resilient that we are, we're able to overcome more. And yeah. we kind of really carry the future of our children, our people, our country, which is such a huge responsibility. So it's like every day I wake up and I'm trying to figure out what else I can do to secure the future for generations. Um, for my generation and generations of immigrants to come. And wow. it makes me work really hard because I want, because I want to, but also because I have to, if that makes sense, yeah. you know, um, and I just feel like it is, um, I have the opportunity to leave a legacy and I want to do so. Gosh, I'm, um, I'm getting goosebumps. It's four o'clock in the morning over in Sydney and it's, uh, <laughs> So wonderful uh, to hear your story. And, and for someone who isn't um, familiar in any way um, with uh, the context of, of, of race um, in the United States and also some of the challenges that, that um, so many people face, um, I just wanted to touch, about, uh, touch on something in your bio um, and I'd love you to take the time to unpack it if you don't mind. And you said um, in your bio, you talked about how black students were disproportionately underrepresented in their schools and under-resourced. And I was just wondering if you could spend a few moments uh, talking about this and what are some of the implications in education from your experience that you've seen? Because um, 
it seems like we have such a long way to go uh, in terms of um, establishing equality for all students. So I would love your thoughts on that. Yeah, um, you know, um, I said to you earlier that where I grew up in Jamaica, education is not free. And yeah. I remember going to my former high school and advocating for myself um, because I know that the school, that particular school had more resources than my boundary school that I attended. Yeah. And I know that could help me to get ahead and create like a more successful path to my dreams. And just fast, fast forward from that, I came to the US to fulfill my dreams of getting out of poverty. And I was a bit surprised, I guess, to see that it was not all the glitz and glamour that you see on TV. Yeah. Um, and there were urban areas that were concentrated with students that looked like me. And when I had a chance to really tutor in those urban schools, I realized that they were no different from the boundary schools and the neighborhoods that I was trying to really yeah. avoid growing up. Yeah. And so most of the students do not seem to have many options because of the guidelines that limit their options to go outside of their boundaries to yeah. attend other schools and seek opportunities for themselves. Um, but then like, you know, moving, moving forward, as I got into teaching, I really experienced firsthand a lot of the inequities in the system wow. that greatly also contributed to the achievement and opportunity gaps that exist even to, even to this day. Wow. And so most of the students who are minority and are from like disadvantaged backgrounds, most of them will actually complete like 12 years of their education if they even get that far, right? Wow. In their marginal neighborhoods with under-resourced and underfunded schools. Yeah. And this is something that's, I mean, can be alarming for most people who don't, who are not inside of the education system, but being inside of it and experiencing it, uh, you know, for us, it's just really appalling, you yeah. know? Um, it is. And I, I, I wonder, yeah, I mean, I wonder, um, there's, and no wonder really why, you know, graduation rates and dropout rates are so low. As um, uh, graduation rates are so um, low, and then dropout rates are so high, especially for students um, who are African American or yeah. Hispanic. You yeah. know, it, it, it's and it's such a complicated issue. And, and thank goodness for people like yeah. yourself that are willing to um, make a stand. And, and how important uh, do you think it is, uh, Keisha, to actually be someone that has, so to speak, boots on the ground and knows what's going on uh, and is someone who is actually working with these children, understanding the context in which they're from? You know, it, I think it is so important. You know, uh, I always say my story is my students' stories. Um, right. It's so important because it gives you that level of um, understanding of knowing where they're coming from and just an idea of where they're going and be, to be able to really advocate for the things that they need the most. You know, when you think about the schools that most of these students who are underrepresented are in, you think about the fact that they put in effective principals in these schools, inexperienced first year principals, you know, they, yeah. for our for, for vulnerable population of students, right? You know, uh, we have our students experience in in these schools where they have a lot of lack of funding wow. you know when we think about funding formula and how 
uh, how these schools are funded to, um, to meet the needs of those students who are in the most vulnerable population. You know, and then we talk about representation and we talk about, we really talk about the fact that representation matters. Students need to see, uh, you know, teachers that look like them as well in these schools. In or, you know, research even says that students who see teachers that look like them at least one throughout right. their whole 12 years, you know, of education will are more likely to be successful and even wow. more likely to want to go to college. So, you know, when, when I think about the work that I'm doing, I really think that there's a lot more um, that needs to be done and yeah. a lot more um, people that look like me that need to be immersed into the education system. Fantastic. And I... I am um, very fortunate to have, um, I've got two beautiful daughters who are just about to start in the education system in Australia. And I think it, it's so interesting what you're saying about um, representation. I mean, my wife is um, Indian South African um, and my daughters are the first Australian born uh, people in our family. And so I uh, naively and rather stupidly had never really uh, thought about representation um, until um, I traveled to South Africa and I was the uh, the one that stood out, so to speak. And so yeah. I it's it's something which I am so aware of, the way that the 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 color and the look um, of the dolls that kids see um, in, in in local stores, the the importance of um, of role models and and, and um, people yeah. seeing others that look like them is so incredibly important. And I I just commend you for being a um, a voice for those students and actually having your, um, as I said, boots on the ground and doing the work because it is, it's just so important. And I couldn't imagine how difficult that would be um, growing up and not seeing people that looked and talked and shared culture um, like you. I think that would be really, really difficult. Um, and yeah. I, could, I couldn't possibly understand what that's like. And I think that's why that's so important that there are people like yourself that are really making that difference um, in the lives yes. of our young people. So thank you for that. If no one else says thank you, thank you for that. Um, I, you. <laughs> I wanted to um, just ask you, so how on earth um, did you go um, from um, a, a migrant, a, a young migrant from another country to the winner of the Global Teacher Prize last year? I mean, that is an incredible achievement. Um, has it been a bit of a roller coaster do you have to pinch yourself and wake up and go oh my gosh how did I get here or what's that experience been like for you you know it's been an awesome adventure um you know just from the beginning I wow. mean I really cannot thank the Varkiv Foundation and UNESCO yeah. enough for just really believing in me to carry that, that torch and of course you know I'm the first black female to win the prize so Amazing. for me that is that is of course an awesome experience because I know that there are so many uh, young people that that looks like me. We were just talking about representation matters, right? Yeah. Um, that, that are looking up to me and are thinking, "Wow, that is possible." I remember when Barack Obama oh. just became president in the United States. I remember my that. Yeah. My daughter was three years old, um, three about three four years old, and she stayed up all night. She said I could not, she did not want to go to bed. Unfortunately, I had to make sure she go to bed because school was the next morning. But I remember just that excitement um, that was just boiling in her belly in wanting to know if he was going to win. 
you know, because wow. we represent so much more than ourselves. You know, of course, for my students, we were they were very happy. And as I said earlier, you know, um, just seeing me win the awards make them think that the sky's the limit. You know, I've been traveling a lot um, as a result of the prize. And, you know, I just want to be transparent that, you know, this year has been a struggle for me at my school. You know, this is a big change for, for myself, my students, my administration. But, you know, I was glad that we were able to overcome a lot of those challenges. And, you know, yesterday was my students' last day. It was our last day in school um, until next year. Um, and so, but not, not much has changed for me personally. I mean, I think some people, I'm the same person. I mean, I think some people thought that I was gonna be quitting because of the prize, but, you know, I'm not sure why, because this is the work that I'm, that I'm purposed to do. Um, but, you know, what has happened outside that has really changed for me is just, you know, that growth professionally and personally, um, and, you know, the ability to stand before thousands of people and just, Amazing. you know, looking for, looking to me for new knowledge, for inspiration, Amazing. for motivation, you know, it's kind of nerve wracking at times, but yeah. it's really allowed me to grow, especially in my confidence in many different ways. So I'm really um, appreciative of the experience. Well, th thank you for representing us over here, um, all the way from Australia. Um, we, uh, I followed the journey, um, your journey quite closely. Um, I'm a, a huge fan of the, the Barclay uh, Foundation. And um, what, what's like, do you get recognized now when you walk down the street? Do people say, hey, that's the Global Teacher Prize? Or what's that like? How, how, what? Do people recognize you now yeah. when you're in Starbucks? I, I do. I do. Um, it, it's, they're all strange stories. They're just all different. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, because I'm also a twin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it makes it, it makes it even stranger because um, sometimes my, my twin sister gets approached <laughs> And everyone at her job thought she was the one who won the prize oh, when she showed up at work <laughs> because they didn't know she had a twin sister. Um, and so, you know, it, it, but it's, it's been, it's been, um, it's been quite funny. Uh, when I go to, I think most of the recognition um, that I've had is when I go to all these big conferences. I mean, when I went to Dubai, I was surprised how many people in the Middle East knew me. Wow. Um, you know, every time I go to these large conferences, ministers know about me, minister of education know about me, teachers know who I am, um, you know, so it's uh, a lot of people in the education space know who I am. So I feel really proud to really represent teachers across the globe and just represent, um, you know, what the education profession and yeah. platform is all about. Wow, that's so wonderful. And I saw a video and I don't know if it was your family or your friends, but they were, um, gathered around a television um and i think they were watching the the ceremony yes. and was that your family or was that your friends yes my family that's my family my close family they um they went crazy they were jumping around and just it was really wonderful to see yes i i what happened was um because of course virtually i i found out virtually that i won the prize um, because of course, because of COVID, we, they weren't able to get all the teachers together in one place. So in the filming, that's when I found out, but I, but it was almost like an interview session. And then they mentioned it within the interview session. Um, something, um, around, uh, 
So uh, since you're the Global Teacher Prize winner, uh, I think what would you do with, you know, what would you use this platform to do or something like that? And you're like, excuse and me? And then I start answering the question. I actually was answering the question and then, and then she repeated the question. At first I didn't know, then that's when they went wild because they heard it, but I didn't because I was so composed and answering the question. And then she repeated it. And then that was when I, it really registered and I just went crazy and we all went crazy <laughs> because uh, you know, it's, for someone like me to win that kind of award is just a real testament to the kind of hard work um, that I've put in over the years in education, yeah. um, in my school, in my community, across the globe, helping students to get into college and just access higher education and access their future and a better way of life. And just really, um, again, for me, just a milestone to where I've started in my life, growing up with my grandmother in our poor community to this point where I'm considered, you know, one of the top teachers in the world, which is a Nobel prize for teachers. I mean, there couldn't be no highest honor. And I, I think when I start, when I broke down crying, it was more so off. I can't believe that my grandmother who has put so much into me was wow. not able to live to see this moment. Well, I'm, I'm sure she would be incredibly proud of you um and it's such a beautiful story and i think um if anybody was ever in doubt of the power of education um i think you have proved that um it doesn't matter where we come from um but it doesn't matter yes. what we look like um it doesn't matter what background we're from but education really has that ability if we're willing to work yes. to to transform our lives and um it's really um it's incredible to see i mean what a what a journey um it's really wonderful and i did i just wanted to um just quickly refer to something that mr jacob scott um who i believe is the math success coach um said about you um he describes you as relentless when it comes to your students um so how on earth firstly do you believe that you are uh, relentless and also secondly how do you stay passionate and have you ever thought about giving up has there ever been a time where you think oh jesus is too hard I just want to take a holiday i mean um you know i to answer your question yes i am definitely relentless um you know uh, what motivates me is knowing that i have been through what most of my students are experiencing and i can serve as an example for them like i strongly believe you know in my students and i even though sometimes the journey gets tough yeah. Sometimes I have never, you know, I've never once thought about giving up. I've never once thought about quitting. You know, I'm just not cut from that cloth. <laughs> you know, I'm a fighter. And that is why, you know, I want to see my students um, be successful. You know, um, yeah. I want to, and I really honestly don't lower my expectations for my students. Like I really challenge them every day because yeah. I want to see them rise to the occasion. I want to remind them what, you know, when my students see me rising, um, rising ahead, I want them to be reminded that they too can do it. Wow. You know, they have the willpower. They have, they too are relentless because I teach immigrants and refugees. And yeah. I mean, when we think, when we, when I sit and speak with my students and they write about their stories 
and you think about their journey, their journey isn't as half as what, you know, mine is not as half of what, as what they have went through, you know, and the trauma that they have gone through just to come to America to access their, a better way of life. And so, you know, when yeah. I think about their story, I, I can't, I can't even think about quitting, you know, because if I quit, it's almost like I'm quitting on them. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm quitting on their future. Wow. So, you know, me having the motivation to keep going is just wow. helpful. It's really helpful because that reminds them too, that they too, uh, you know, there is, there is, I guess what we always say, um, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and just, you know, if they work hard enough, they too can achieve their dreams. Wow. That's, that's so important. And like I said, it's, um, I think just the power of education and the power of a great teacher that has, um, as you are, that's make, making a difference in children's lives is, is so important. And, and did you have a, um, a teacher that made a, a difference in your life? Um, was there a teacher that modeled this for you? Well, I'll, I'll honestly say, um, you know, because of my background, yeah. I've been, I've been, I, I was one of those students that most teachers did not necessarily um, mentor or take yeah. under their wings or push um, because I didn't look like someone who would be successful yeah. in the future. Wow. I didn't necessarily have too many teachers speak negatively to me. I remember Gosh. a few did. Um, that resonated with me to this day, which is also what gives me that fire in my belly to keep going and, and, wow. and to keep pushing. Um, you know, but I remember one specific person, um, John Messam, who was my coach. He wasn't necessarily a teacher, it was a coach. You know, coaches are so important as well. Um, because sometimes you don't get it all in the classroom. Sometimes it's those people on the outside who are mentors wow. that really that you're able to really connect with yeah. um, that really pulls, pulls out those, pull out that strength, the yeah. desire, the, the, the passion that, you know, I didn't know, you know, I, I, I always had people tell me I looked like an athlete, but he was like the first person who pulled my sister and I to the side and say, you don't just look like an athlete. I believe that you are both great athletes and there's greatness inside of you. And if you give me the chance, I will, I will pull it out of you and I'll let you see that you're great. And also, you know, as I, as I go into my senior year in high school, because of our um, financial challenges, I didn't see college as a, as an option for myself. And yeah. so when he told me that I want you and your sister to run track and field, and I can help you to use your talents to get into college. It, it just opened Gosh. our eyes to a whole nother level of possibility for my future. And wow. I just put that trust in him. And like I, I mentioned earlier, he was the person who outside of school ended up becoming like a father to us, yeah. you know, a mentor that we never had. Someone who told us that anything that we put our minds to, uh, we could achieve. He was like the first person who really made me think that, um, you know, my future was bright, you know, wow. there are possibilities 
my possibilities are going to be endless. And from that, it just blossomed into a great relationship that really mentored us into the matriculation process into going into college. Wow. Um, and, you know, um, fortunately for him, he has seen and witnessed a lot of the achievements that I have had over this period of time. Unfortunately, by the time I, um, I won the Global Teacher Prize, he wasn't um, as well enough to understand the, the accomplishment. And um, maybe a few months later, he passed. Um, so yeah, but you know, he's always remembered for the, the major impacts that he's had on my life and who I am today. Wow, that's such a beautiful story. And, and once again, I'm sure he would be so incredibly proud to see one of his students um, achieve yeah. what you have achieved. And um, what a what a great story. And um, can you maybe talk a little bit about the importance of uh, sport and mentorship? Because I know that you uh, coach um, a, a lot of athletes. Um, and also, why was that? Im why was it important for you to have success um, outside of the classroom as you did? You know, um, like I, told, like I um, mentioned earlier, a lot of times we go to school and because of our background, it is so difficult for us to have relationships with a lot of teachers because they don't connect to us. They don't connect with our stories. They don't come from the neighborhoods that we come from. They yeah. haven't experienced some of the things that we have experienced. And, I can, and, and one of the things um, that I see here in the US as well as a minor as a teacher in the minority is that the majority of teachers in the US um, are Caucasian, which is about 87%, and 13% is a minority. Um, however, they do not necessarily represent the diversity of the student population, which yeah. is almost 50-50. And so when I remember when I talked about representation matters, right? Is it um, when you have teachers in the classroom that looks like you, that you that you trust, that you can build that one-on-one -on -one relationship with. I'm not saying that. Um, many um, students haven't been able to build relationship with other teachers from other ethnic backgrounds, yeah. but um, but it's really important that you know students yeah. see people that look yeah. like them who have been through Absolutely. who have their story, and that's how Absolutely. that's one of the reasons I connect so much so well with my immigrant and refugee students because when we sit and we talk about our experiences, and a lot of us um, a lot of times when we sit as a classroom because my students represent about maybe 23 different countries. Wow. And so when we, see, when we talk about the different, or the, the differences and the similarities in our countries and, and the poverty and the things that happen in our country, and we connect on a whole nother level. And so for me, it's so important that students hear our stories, yeah. right? Because as teachers, it humanizes us. And, and it, it gives us, that it, it helps us to share that level of empathy yeah. with our students. Um, and in, in sharing, it helps us to build that relationship, which is foundational for students in the classroom, because if they, if they connect with you, they're going to show up for you in the classroom. Wow. And they're going to trust you. They have a sense of belonging. They feel like you value them. They feel respected. They feel acknowledged. They feel recognized. And it's so important when it, when it comes to even academic excellence. 
And right. outside of the classroom, students need to see you in their communities. They need to see you doing community service. They want to see you pop up at their local grocery store, you know, so that they can build that rapport. Some students, it's difficult when you're in an academic setting because as teachers, sometimes we have these high academic expectations and it's really tough for students to kind of really separate who you are in the academic setting. So see you in the, seeing you in the community makes them realize that like, you're just like them. You live in their community or you visit their community, you know, showing up at town halls where the, where you can have that conversation with parents, where, you know, you can build that rapport where the, the parents know that you understand the, the needs of their students, um, their children and the needs of their community. And, and also the fact that they see you from a more humbling perspective, wow. you know, because a lot of teachers, a lot of, um, a lot of parents see teachers up here because yeah. they think, they think teachers set the bar, right? We're so smart. We, you know, we're so astute and, um, we're so stately. So we said, you know, so they see us up here and they admire us for what we do for their children, but sometimes they want to see us down here on a human level where they can yeah. actually connect with us and know that we are here for them. We're their advocates. We, we are here for their children. We mean well for their children. Um, and that's when parents really uh, partner with you to make sure that, you know, what you're doing in the classroom is successful because that's when they go home and they they start driving into their children the importance and the value of that education. And sometimes even though parents may not see the value of education, just forming that relationship with them allows them to see it in a different light and wow. allows them to really push their children more. You know, um, when we think about sports, a, yeah. lot of, a lot of children use it as an escape, an escape from the poverty, an escape from the, um, from the violent community and escape from gangs yeah. um, and inappropriate activities that they are constantly bombarded with in their communities. And so we need to make sure that we're doing a lot more to foster that, um, yeah. giving students an opportunity to use their talents as well. For me, um, you know, I may not have gotten, I, I, I honestly, because of our, my challenges, I was never a top student in high school. You know, I was around the, you know, the three point, um, range in my GPA. So I was never one of those top students. And so I would never see myself getting an academic scholarship for college, right? Yeah. But the ability to harness my, for someone to harness my talent and plug into me that this is an opportunity for you to use that to still access your dream was so important and so eye-opening for me. And so wow. that's why one of the reasons my nonprofit organization exists is to have students use their talents as, as vehicle, as an option to really access their dreams. Gosh, it's, it's so inspiring. Um, and I love just how much you light up when you talk about the power of education and, and what you've um not only what you've achieved, but I love the the service that you have for other people. It's really, um, really, really inspiring. And um, Kishi, I just wanted to ask you a, a couple more questions about the, um, obviously the, the COVID-19 pandemic has uh, wreaked havoc um, across educational communities. Um, and it's been uh, so tragic for so many people, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on 
what has that taught us about the important role um, that schools and school teachers do uh, in terms of connecting some of those disadvantaged communities? You know, um, that's that's a that's one of those um, big questions. You know, um, but I think um, uh, two things two things I would say that we can we can do a lot more. Um, and we need, we, we, we could have done a lot more yeah. and that we need to do a lot more, if that makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. Because you know, the pandemic itself has really magnified a lot of the issues in our schools um, and, and the school systems and how we fail to serve the needs of all of our students and families all together. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really forced us to realize that all the things that we took for granted and how we underutilize resources are or the lack thereof. Um, and so the main issues I, I see, especially for my student population, is like the digital divide and food insecurity. Yes. And we are finally realizing that why, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of finally realizing when we think about um, uh, why Tommy didn't do his homework yeah. and, you know, I, um, and he wouldn't do it because he had no internet or a computer at, at work to do um, at home to do his yeah. homework. Um, and he couldn't do it um, because he may probably had to go to work after school and would not be able to make it to the library. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and then shows up the next day and teachers give him a scolding along with an F for his missing assignment um, because there's no excuse allowed. Right. And so this happened in a lot of urban schools um, and a lot of our students and families relied, you know, rely on, uh, on, on teachers and the resources and, um, and, and schools to give yeah. us, to give them those resources. And we, we failed to see that these are a lot of things that we were missing that we were using to punish students. Yeah. So the lack of resources at home um, and what our, our big expectations of them are without providing them the necessary resources to yeah. be successful. You know, yeah. when we think about food, a lot of our families relied on school as a main source of food. And so when, the, when school shut down, most of them were seeing, most schools actually took the time to do a needs assessment for the first time, right? Just to see how much our, our population of students um, how, yeah. how much their needs are was for food and that and that school was the place where they came to get that and so when we think about poor attendance and when we think about you know the kids that had to um, had to work during covid to make sure that their families actually eat you know and then think about how those students um have to provide for their families yeah wow. Um, and so that kind of like brought a light bulb to a lot of um, a lot of people in schools. Like, wow, you know, these needs existed, but we we failed to see them. So when you think about when you fi never figured out why little Johnny why he couldn't learn and why you know he came to school sleeping on the desk every day or is distracted in classes all his classes before lunch because he was hungry. Yeah. And 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 so his simple. his lunch yeah lunch yesterday was probably his last meal so you know it's made a lot of us do a lot of introspection and realize that 
there's a lot of things that we could have done and a lot of mark where we were things were missing and then moving forward there's a lot of things that um you know yeah. that we are behind in that we need to catch up because education is running so far ahead, especially um, through in the on the in the digital scale, and we're so behind. There's so yeah. much that we need to catch up on. Yeah. Do you think, uh, or are you optimistic that we can learn these lessons, or do you think that we will? I know this is generally speaking, but do you think we will jump back into familiar habits? I think I think so far we're moving forward. Honestly, yeah. um, I do think we're moving forward. Where where, um, where I actually think that there may be some challenges, especially on the, um, now that education is so internationalized and digitalized, yeah. um, um, is for those people who are older. Yeah. Uh, and we know that change, change can sometimes be, um, people, um, people who are older in, 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 on the, in the, um, in the, in, in the system, in the education system, yeah. tend to frown upon change. Yeah. Um, and, and, and sometimes they're resistant to, yeah. um, to change um, because of course we know with change comes a lot of different, um, a lot of changes, a lot of training. Yeah. And some people are really on their way out. You know, they've spent their 20, 30, 40 years yeah. in education and they're on their way out. Um, and, and they don't have that vision yeah. You know, they don't have that vision forward. And so it's, it's just trying to figure out what is the in-between? Um, how do we cycle those people out and bring in all those new ideas? Or how do we keep them in the system? Um, because they are, honestly, some of our more expert teachers are, are more, you know, and they, they, they bring a lot to the education platform. So how do we keep them in and keep them still interested and help them also to mentor the younger teachers coming in so that we can all be on the same page and making sure that all the needs of our students are met, all of the needs of our modern students and our modern classroom. Yeah, absolutely. It seems, I think if we weren't optimistic, we would be in the wrong profession. Um, yes. I think that's a good sign <laughs> that, it's, that it's time to leave. Um, I've just got a couple more questions for you and I want to be respectful of your time. And this, this is a, a big question, feel free to answer it however, you see fit, but what do you want uh, your legacy to be? My legacy. Um, Big what question. do I want my legacy to be? You know, I when I when I when I think about all the all the things that I've really accomplished, I I really want my legacy to be that when I when I when I leave here, I want to be one of those people who people will remember for advocating for yeah. equity in education. Um, I want to be um, not just for, not just locally and yeah. or nationally, but just globally. Yeah. Um, I want to be, I, I, I want to be one of those people that people will consider was a champion for students who were um, underserved and underrepresented. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to be, I want to go down as being one of their champions, you know, um, and one of those advocates for higher education um, and for, for um, advocating yeah. for access wow. to higher education for all. Wow. Well, I, I think you're well and truly uh, on the way to achieving that. So uh, 
it's um it, it's a huge privilege um like i said to get to speak to you um and i'm incredibly grateful that you would uh, take the time and chat to me all the way over um, in Australia. And just a final question, where can people find out more about you and stay in touch with your amazing work? Um, where can people find more about me? Uh, I'm on uselite.org. That's my nonprofit organization, uselite.org. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kishia Thorpe. Kishia, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. It is a, a huge privilege um, and congratulations not only on the uh, wonderful award, um, but also for your incredible advocacy for our wonderful profession. And so from, um, it's so lovely to see your amazing work and it's a real privilege to get to speak to you. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you allowing me to share with you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Art of Teaching podcast today. I hope that you, like me, got some valuable insights out of our discussion. For show notes, please visit theartofteachingpodcast.com. I've one favour to ask. If you could please head to the iTunes page of the podcast and rate and review the episode. This would really help to get the interviews and resources to as many people as possible. Also, I've created a private Facebook group so that we can continue the discussion after each episode. The link is in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and until next time.